This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I say. You will obey. It is the word of Landrew. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's good. It's good. It's kind of icy here right now. Um, yeah, we just got another four inches of snow dropped on us yesterday up here in Chicago. That was fun. We're supposed to get like that much snow, but it hasn't even started yet. So Yeah, yesterday I, I watched five Best Picture nominees in a row, got out of the theater at midnight, and then it took us like an hour and a half to drive home because of all the snow. It was terrible. <laughs> it's March. What's going on here? I don't know. I really don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, today we decided uh, to rip off to the journey and, and all the other shows again by having a an episode devoted to the ship. Mm-hmm. The, because it's Star Trek, and if you don't have a ship, it's not Star Trek, which is not a true statement at all. I was going to say... Just, I just, I just wanted to see you look up and say, wait, what? You're one of those people, eh? No, no. So today we're going to talk about the Enterprise and all of its uh, different forms. Well, not every Enterprise, because there's a lot of different forms of the Enterprise. But the original Enterprise and its refit and its redesign. The, uh, the original series, Enterprises. Yes. yes. The inter- Kirk's, Kirk's Enterprises. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the enterprise was designed by matt jeffries uh for for the cage and uh he he had the the problem of making a ship that was easily recognizable but completely different from everything before he was given the uh he was given the orders to uh not have any rockets jets or fire streams which the uh the studio had a problem wrapping their head around because it, it took him a while to design it. And they were like, why don't you just you put a cigar and then you put wings on it and then you've got your spaceship. But uh, uh, Roddenberry wanted something functional. He wanted something uh, where you could, you could not, not with like moving parts so you could tell what was going on, but something that obviously had some thought and design put behind it. Um, I do think it's funny that the, the nacelles could be rockets. Like, with with especially the the pilot design with the the spike on the front mm-hmm. and the exhaust in the back with some fire it's got little fins on the end you can kind of imagine it being a post buck rogers uh, uh ship yeah but 
you know, the fact that they didn't have that stuff coming out. I mean, it is a challenge because you've got to make something which looks like it's functional, but at the same time make something which does look sleek and aerodynamic and, you know, whatever, and give that sense of moving forward, you know, and not just not just yeah. a big blob, <laughs> you know? That, they saved that for all the guest ships. Yeah, yeah. Originally, the saucer section... Uh, Jeffries wanted to stay away from flying saucers, so it's funny that like the one of the most iconic design pieces of his ship is a flying saucer, basically. Mm-hmm. Maybe because if you break it down, you've got a flying saucer with rockets. It's everything that he was trying to avoid, but it's so much more than that. Yeah, he find a, he found a way to make a flying saucer with rockets make sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the separation and being able to like eject the engines. Uh, I think the the big thing, I like his idea of uh, the engines being so powerful that they need to be kept far away from, like, living quarters. Mm-hmm. And so they're on these pylons and, and far away from the, the rest of the ship because they're big, huge, you know, I don't know if he knew that they were warp, re- you know, matter-antimatter reactors at that point or whatever, but so that they could be safely ejected which uh, Kirk actually mentions once, you know, eject the nacelles and get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taste of Armageddon? I, I forget which episode. Uh, what's what's funny is that after everything was all designed and they, they made a rough model, uh, Jeffries went into Roddenberry's office and handed it to him, and Roddenberry's like, no, I like it like this. And he had, had it upside down. Yeah. And so they had a, they had a fight about it, like... So I wonder if Rodmer was really happy with the uh, the Reliant when they when they got to Star Trek Two. He's like, "That's what I wanted the Enterprise to look like." <laughs> Perhaps I don't know how happy Rodmer was during the production of Star Trek Two after that. Like, well, dude, yeah. hey, <laughs> thanks for making this movie for us. Uh, how about we get someone else to do the next one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was I'm all sure great. Like, this is but, terrible. Yeah. But that ship, the Reliant there, that's badass. I love that ship. <laughs> and uh, unlike the, the other shows um, where in Next Generation they had the four-foot model, the two-foot model and the six-foot model, and then they added the four-foot model, um, there was there was only two models. They had a three-foot model that they used for faraway shots sometimes. But the majority of it was a 11-and-a-half-foot miniature <laughs> Quote unquote. That's pretty big. Have you seen this thing? Have you? Have you did you go to the Smithsonian and, and see it like for reals? I, I have. I was really young. I mean, I was like in high school at the time. So like I, I was a Star Trek fan when I saw it, but I didn't quite, I wasn't old enough to completely appreciate what it was I was looking at. So yeah, I have seen it, but I don't really remember seeing it. Yeah, I, uh, it was only a few years ago where when I went to DC and I was like, we're going to go to the Air and Space Museum. Mm-hmm. I was on a business trip, yeah. but we we had a day off, and so and my boss was really into air and space, so he was more than happy to go with me. But uh, it's down in for those who don't know, it's down in the gift shop. It's not in a place of prominence as it should be. It's in a gift shop, just encased by glass on the bottom floor. And when I went down there, there was like, it was half being renovated, and it was, it was, none of the, you know, very few of the lights were on, 
and there it is, the Enterprise, except that it's been repainted so many times that it's got like grid lines and I mean, yeah, sure, it's nice to have all that detail, but that's detail that that Jeffries was trying when he was designing to keep away from it. He didn't want the, you know, details and seams and all that stuff. He wanted it to be big and sleek. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that is kind of disappointing. Apparently, they never repainted the uh, top of the saucer section, which it's got a mirror so that you can look up and see the top of the ship. Oh, that's cool. From where you're sitting, where you're standing in front of it. So I didn't get to touch it, unfortunately. I was tempted to be like, hey, excuse me, can you let me in there? <laughs> Stroke it. Like like Picard and Data in, in First Contact. Yeah, I want to touch it. I want the tactile mm-hmm. sensation. And then your boss comes over and is like, should I leave you two alone? <laughs> yeah. Uh, fortunately, we we didn't get that far. Oh, well. What do you think about the design of the Enterprise? I know it's not your your favorite. Well, I mean, it's not my favorite, I guess. But at the same time, I mean, you got to say, like, well, the, my favorites would not exist without the original series Enterprise. You know, I mean, you, you look at the design work which is put into it, and it's like, wow, you know, that is truly amazing. And all of the, the sort of groundwork was laid there by um, Jeffries. And... Um, Without it, the ships that I love wouldn't be here. the The steps that w- that were made between you know Scratch and the original series Enterprise and the original series Enterprise and say the the A or whatever are you know very very small. They get very very small very very fast. And I think what what you see with with the new designs or whatever is um, just sort of a refinement of what Jeffries was doing, you know, partially because of money, I think, you know, and partially because of technology and just partially because of, you know, taking a look at what has come before and building on it. So, you know, looking at the original series Enterprise, it is truly amazing, you know. Um, In terms of the exterior, I I really do like the uh, concept that it was designed to be um, scientifically practical, and uh, in terms of the interior, uh, I guess there's two elements to it. One is like the layout, and then the other is sort of like the design. And I we'll, we'll get to the interior. Okay, all right. So yeah, I like I like the original series Enterprise. I like it quite a bit. It's one of my favorite spaceships. Yeah, I like I like the the rules that it that it's set up. Um, apparently, uh, designers were given a guide. Which they ignored completely for the Defiant, but that's not important right now. Um, a guide of what you need to have. The bridge is always on top, and the nacelle, the front of the nacelles are always visible mm-hmm. uh, above or below the saucer. Um, you know, because they're intakes, and they should shouldn't be blocked. And um, so, like, I don't know if that was before Jeffries designed it or or after, like to give it that logical uh, scientific sense or the iconic i mean like jeffrey's designed this iconic thing and you can tell a star trek spaceship when you see one i mean you look at i've got a big spreadsheet thing i found because i love starship designs of all of the ships in a star trek online Mm -hmm. and they all have the same design 
except for the defiant ones and the things the defiant spin-offs that they created uh they all have that same follow those same design rules yeah which uh is iconic and you can tell um another thing that uh recently someone posted an article uh it's on goldennumber.net and it was about uh how the original enterprise fits into the golden ratio yeah which is is some kind of a renaissance idea of uh proportion and and the perfect proportion like the the rule of thirds in cinematography i i think is based on the golden ratio the basic idea of the golden ratio as i understand it is the the golden ratio is phi which is 1.618 to 1 i guess um and if you have, let's say, I mean, the, the easiest way to explain it, I guess, if I'm getting this right, is if you have a rectangle where one side is 1 and the other side is 1.618, and you were to put a square, which is the length of 1, on top of the, which is the length of one point, of the long side on top of the long side, then the new rectangle which is created would also have the ratio of 1.618 to 1. Does this make sense? No, not at all. But uh... <laughs> I watched a video on it, and I still didn't understand it, and then I had to read more stuff on it. It is actually kind of interesting. And now it makes me want to watch or want to make a movie in 1.62 to 1. Like, I, I watched this some, and I'm like... Does that mean that the best aspect ratio is one six six to one since it's the closest to the golden ratio? I guess. Is that Which why one is that is that why JJ shot um the IMAX footage in that ratio? Everyone was wondering why. That must be it, right? Oh. Because it's not in the square. No. It's not in the, the one four four no, that yeah. IMAX is normally. Right. He cropped it to one six six and everyone's like, Why would you do that? Golden ratio. The golden ratio, huh? Yeah. But anyway, on this on this golden number dot net, they've they've sliced the enterprise in every possible way that you can do the golden ratio mm-hmm. in it. Like every little detail from front, back, and side fits perfectly. Yeah, and it's interesting. I don't know how much of this, like you were saying, is you know what was intended, and how much of them, uh, uh, how much of it is just people finding this ratio uh, in the ship, but. The evidence is fairly convincing, and like they say in the article, you know, um, uh, Jeffries specified the dimensions down to one one thousandth of an inch. So, you know, why would he do that if not to maintain this? Then again, you could just round up a little bit too. So I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> convincing, but you look at at it, you look at the designs, and it certainly does look like there is um, a decent amount of evidence to support their theory. I don't know. It's interesting. But it does yeah. seem to hold up fairly well looking at the the outlines. Now, the interiors were also designed by Matt Jeffries for the most part. Um, the interiors, except for the bridge, not, not quite so iconic. But uh, the bridge itself, um, the, there's a story that, that Jeffries told of, uh, like, naval people actually coming and talking to him about the design of the bridge because they really liked uh, how it functioned with the captain in the middle 
and and you know surrounded by the people working on the sides um later on uh they would every bridge again that's another thing where you can see the bridge and know that it's star trek uh no matter which series it is i think the bridge has become an iconic design point yeah and you know as someone who was a fan of star trek before uh i was a fan of let's say naval um engineering um i i always just sort of assumed that that was how you would design a bridge like that's how how it how it works you know it makes perfect sense to me and and the layout is very very sound i i love it and every time i see like a real bridge like i was just watching captain phillips yesterday and they're like go up to the bridge and you go up to the bridge and it's like that's not a bridge it's just a room with a with a <laughs> steering wheel you know that doesn't count so yeah i mean it is it, it is sort of like what i personally think a bridge is supposed to be like um because it's so iconic and it is a great design. Yeah, even when they even when they do change it, like in TNG, uh, they've got the three chairs, and Voyager, they've got two chairs. They've just got two chairs, which is dumb. They, by the they, way, <laughs> they're like, yeah, that is kind of weird. They're like, hmm, when we're designing this ship, let's, you know what? I bet you we're gonna have two captains on this bridge, not just one. Well, it's better than TNG when, like, who's going to sit in this third chair? How about the counselor? You know, whatever. <laughs> this is this is my look of disapproval. Diplomats, whatever, you know. I mean, she, yeah, it's fine. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> but but even when they even when they did redesign it, which I think uh, Andrew Probert designed the the bridge and the D, uh, you could still tell that it's it's Star Trek. Yes. I think that's because we've got the navigator and uh, tactical off, not tactical navigator and uh, helmsman, helmsman, which I'm always confused about because I thought both of those things meant flying the ship. No, 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 no. See, when you're the helmsman, that's the person who's driving the car. The navigator okay. is the person on their cell phone looking up Google Maps. Okay. Yeah. So Data's entire job was just reading off Google Maps to Wesley? No, because that's not the navigator station on Next Generation. That's that's uh, Chekhov's. <laughs> that's Chekhov's whole job. Data was ops. So oh, he just happened to sit up front. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm less confused now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then in Voyager, ops is in the back, and there's only one person in the front. And right. You're right. Voyager seems designed primarily exactly for that crew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Which is good. Like it's a television show. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe what it is, is uh, it's like a, a blank slate because they've got those bio-neural gel packs. And then once oh. the, the crew is set up, then the ship is like, okay, I'm going to put this here and this here and this here. And as we find out in these Star Trek movies, in the original series movies, uh, bridges can be easily reconfigured mm -hmm. because every movie has a different bridge for the enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. So, uh, we've got what I like about enterprise, the enterprise, not enterprise. We'll get to enterprise. What I like about the enterprise, the TOS enterprise is that it does seem 
it seems kind of like like a military ship. It doesn't seem like I mean I'm no I'm gonna say it. The TNG everybody was like the Hilton in space. Mm-hmm. You know it's got carpet and. Uh, it's all bright and stuff. I li- I like TOS's. I mean, it's got the bright highlights. I like the the gray corridors and and uh, the the sharp angles. But and the rooms seem very modular and and so forth. But they're they're all very high ceilings. There there's a, there's a lot of space yes. in in the ship. Unlike and outside uh, of the ship. It, <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, that. Uh, uh, in in I like that in Enterprise, the Star Trek Enterprise, the, the television show, that the NX01 feels primitive. It feels like a submarine. There's low ceilings. There's you know exposed girders. There's uh, a lot of detail and things that by Kirk's era they were able to put in the walls and give you a lot more space and room to breathe. Um, and it doesn't, it's not overcrowded and so forth. I, I like the, I like, it's weird that TOS fits in this perfect middle ground. No, it's probably designed that way. When they made Enterprise, they made sure to make TOS the middle ground between the next generation and Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I like that too. And, I mean, you can tell that, yeah, like you're saying, they were trying to make it sort of militaristic in nature. You know, it's very uh, utilitarian, very functional. Um, the only thing that I really kind of don't like about it, although I understand the reasons for doing it, is the color scheme. Um, mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem very uh, militaristic, you know? It seems a little too much like they were like, hey, people are going to have color TVs. Let's make this show colorful. Yeah, which is exactly what they did. But uh... then again, if I were designing a ship and from scratch and it was my personal design and it was for military use and I wasn't um, really basing it on tradition or anything like that, but functionality and just aesthetics, I'd probably make it colorful. I mean, like right now, I'm one of the things that I I love that I did, you know, is, you know, you think of like XLR cables, you know, microphone cables, and they're always black, right? When I was Mm -hmm. buying cables for my mixer to run across my my living room, I very specifically bought blue, yellow, green, and red so I could plug them in and very easily see which cable was connected to which microphone. And it has saved so much time. So there is some something to it, you know? Maybe uh, military guys just don't think that colors are very, uh, I don't know, official? I yeah, don't know. I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> but it does make sense, you know? Well, unfortunately, the, the original Enterprise uh, only lasted the three seasons that we had of, uh, of Star Trek. And, of course, we've had... Um, the animated series? Oh, dang it. The animated series. Yeah. It was not redesigned for the animated series because they traced right over it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it has... The Enterprise was redesigned. Um, when they started Phase 2, they actually brought in uh, Mount Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah. Who, who designed... Uh, did all the drawings and basic designs for uh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the matte they brought, paintings. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. And, and 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 whose paintings are the basis of the look of the new Star Wars Rebels cartoon? 
Yes. So he was good. Re- they were going to let him redesign it like from scratch. And so it was kind of like a Star Destroyer with a saucer section on front. Have you seen pictures it, of this thing? Yeah. Oh, man, I want to see that. It's on Memory Alpha. All right. I've got to go. And there, there's up. actually in, uh, oh, I forget. I think it's Star Trek Three when they're docked in uh, space dock. You can see it in the background. Like they had a study model of it. Oh, yeah? And and it's actually in the background. So it is like a cannon ship. Cool. It's just it's just not the Enterprise. Yeah. But uh so Ralph McQuarrie redesigned the was gonna redesign the ship, but uh uh they decided that they probably shouldn't change the basic shapes and stuff. So uh yeah. they brought Jeffries back to just update his model. Makes sense. Uh m- update his general design. And that's when and this was still during phase two, and that's when they came up with the idea of the flat nacelles and the uh the more pearlescent coating and stuff and then when they made it a movie the model wasn't it was only like three feet long and they were like that's not big enough or going to be detailed enough so they built the six foot model and that's what they used for the rest of the rest of the star trek movies no 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 hang on a second here i know we went over this on our generations uh thingy but the refit Enterprise is the same model as the Enterprise A? Yes. The same. Now, the, yes, let's let's reiterate your confusion again. Okay. Maybe it's just the interior which completely sold me on it, or that A, or that shot, that reveal shot, or whatever, but I, 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 that was mind-blowing to me. The, the fact that the A... And the refit Enterprise are the same physical model. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, I don't know of any differences. Okay. And, and I love finding the differences and stuff, but I know that if you order the you know $10,000 replica from uh, QMX, mm-hmm. that if you ask for the A version, they change things. Mm. But that's all it says. Okay. Is that there are some details that are different, like it says A instead of, right? Maybe <laughs> maybe those are the only details. Maybe there's an extra you know pinstripe that that I've not noticed. So if you, I know like I have the Art Asylum A hanging from my chandelier in the other room. Um, if you were to buy an Art Asylum refit, like from their Wrath of Khan collection, it would be like the same toy. Yeah. Okay. Not, not that I really trust. Especially their... for toys, okay. I think that they they wouldn't go through yeah. whatever minor details there were. Not that I trust their accuracy, since the uh, battle damaged Wrath of Khan Enterprise from Art Asylum is actually has Star Trek Three battle damage that bothers me so much. <laughs> oh, does it? <laughs> it, it? It's it's like basically right before the thing blows up, so the entire yeah. saucer section is just like scorched wait the saucer section oh it's man. really yeah they really dropped the ball on that one but what can you do i have a johnny lightning ship it is it is four inches long and it's it's actually you know the wrath battle damage is just the ones from wrath yeah. and not the extra damage they added for three yeah with the damage on the nacelles and stuff yeah no this is like damage which would have been incurred during three wow you know <laughs> oh well oh well <laughs> Sorry, I, I misspoke earlier. Uh, Matt Jeffries redesigned the original E 
uh, and did the flat nacelles and stuff. And but Andrew Pope Probert, who designed the D later, helped with the redesign and got all the credit for the next the movie Enterprise. Okay, gotcha. So the movie Enterprise was Ralph McQuarrie, then then Jeffries, and then Probert. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then in uh, 2009, we got the uh, the JJ. JJ well, first off, before we get there, what did you think about the refit Enterprise or the oh, Enterprise yeah. A? I love the refit. I'm I'm a big fan of of the refit Enterprise. I'm the original Enterprise is iconic, but I do prefer the the refit version myself. Yeah, and the A for some reason. Even though they're the same, I do prefer. I do lean toward the A for some reason. Well, you know what I think it is. I mean, I I, I do the same thing. Like I'm like, yeah, the refit's cool, but the A is amazing. You know, and that's what I said on that generations thing. And all you guys are like, it's the same thing. I'm like, what? But <laughs> I think really what it is is the interiors. You know, they changed the bridge, and that really is what kind of sold it to me. You know, because the bridge for the A is way better than the bridge for the refit Enterprise, and that that's probably my favorite of all the bridges. On yeah, Star but Trek. which bridge of the of the A, the one from the end of Star Trek Five or the one from Six? Well, the one from Six, I guess. I mean, oh, yeah. there are subtle differences, right? But Six. No, they're extremely different. Okay, all right. Well, six... the one from Five looks more like the one from the JJ verse. Okay. Six has the clock, you know, and everything yeah. like that. And I like the uh, Okuda grams in there and everything. They're cool. I, I'll have to go with, yeah, the one from Six for sure. Maybe it's just the way it's lit, too. But, yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool, too. Yeah. What about you? I can see that. What about you? What? Which bridge do you prefer? Which bridge do I prefer? Uh, I would have to go with Six, too. Okay. The the Six model. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misspoke earlier. The bridge from four. The end of four is different than five and is six. It's different from five. But five is pretty much the same as six. Yeah, I think they just added yeah. the clocks for six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Because I was like the bri- I know that the bridge changes from four to five because Scotty's like implies that basically we were still on the training cruise. Yeah. You know, let's see what she got, the captain says, and then it just breaks down. Right. Which is awesome. <laughs> which wish... makes which makes you makes it think that it's like immediately following them going to warp at the end of four. Yeah, it's gotta be like But the bridge changed, which is impressive, so Well, I'm sure Again, it, like I'm... you said, maybe maybe they it reformatted itself. I'm sure what happened was Scotty got in there and he's like, A new enterprise that they made without me and he gets in there and he's like, What? No, 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 This no, will not no, do. No, yes. Or it could just be that Kirk is one of those um, captains, kind of like you get, uh, you know, like bosses at work, you know, who like mm-hmm. the new boss will come in and they want to know, they want everyone to know that they're the boss. So they change everything around for no good reason just because they want to show that they can do that because they're the boss. Okay, okay. Maybe I thought maybe you were going to say that, that Kirk is just one of those guys who brings his own furniture with him. Oh, that could be too. Yeah. You never know. 
Yeah. I don't like this chair. I mean, he didn't like the chair in five, so. <laughs> Boy, with, with that and with the whole, like, let's see what she's got, and then he's like, and then we found out. It sounds like there's a lot of stuff which happened in between uh, Star Trek Four and Star Trek Five, which would be perfect for a book. Who writes the Starfleet Corps of Engineers book? Because surely <laughs> it would fit in that continuity, right? We'll have to ask <laughs> Matt Rushing about that. Yes. Okay. From literary tracks. Yes. He'll be able to, to help us out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So uh, you prefer the refits over the original? I do, yeah. I prefer the refit over the original. I mean, I, I'm, I'll give credit to the original for, you know, basically doing all the the, heart, the heavy lifting, you know. But I think that the, the refined look of the refit and then the A is um, superior to the original. I do miss the uh, nacelle caps, which every other... I mean, like the the movies tend to stay away from the from the nacelle caps that come in back in style, apparently with the C and D and E and everything. Yeah. But the movies apparently were like, they're we're going to be self lit, but the one thing that was self lit on the original Enterprise, they got rid of. It's a design thing, you know. It's like, uh, I mean, think about like you know fashion style in the '60s. You know, the looks you had like the skinny ties and the the single breasted suits and whatnot, and everything was sort of you know great. And like that translates to today. Like if you were to take wardrobe from the '60s and wear it out today, people would be like, whatever. But like if you were to you know, take wardrobe from the seventies, it would be like bell bottoms <laughs> and stuff. You can't wear that today. So it's like they went back to that classic look, you know. Oh, okay. You know, they, they like the, the the engineers of the twenty fourth century look at the late twenty third century and they're just like, oh, God, can you believe what they did that? No caps on their <laughs> nacelles. These guys were just crazy. I mean, I know for the time it was normal, but can you imagine someone walking down the street without any nacelle caps today? That's just weird. You know? Something like that, right? I could see that. Yeah. Yes. Nacelle caps are skinny ties. I got it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, in uh, in 2009, we got the new JJ verse. Enterprise, designed by Ryan Church, who worked on worked at ILM, worked on the Star Wars prequels and uh, other less terrible things. I like the Star Wars prequels. I like them quite a bit. I know you do. Okay, I just like poking the bears sometimes. All right, <laughs> poking the bears. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, He's not wearing a bear's no, hat. So it doesn't matter. Colin won't get that joke either. It it splits uh, it, it splits fandom here the the new JJ verse it splits it for me in less obvious ways but uh so we've got the same basic saucer mm-hmm. but but Ryan designed these these more the back end is more flowing the ample nacelles mm-hmm. and the uh, why are the nacelle caps blue which is I don't understand, especially because I've got a glass that I got from Burger King, I think, that has it with red nacelle caps. Hmm. And it looks it looks so much better. But of course, you know, everything is blue or orange nowadays, so Bears I colors. guess they had to... Convenient, huh? Mm-hmm. 
but uh we've got so it's the back end is more flowing um my problem with it is that it, it it's judging by the size of the windows and stuff on the sides of the of the saucer section and the uh they've, they've got the port it's got the port in the side where uh the ship the the docking thing docks in Star Trek one. Um, the problem is that, that ILM, uh, in order to fit the interiors into the ship made it like two or three times bigger than it was designed. So these, the, the port, uh, where like the docking thing, why do I keep saying docking thing? (laughs) The docking port. Is that what it's called? Right. Okay. Sure. The, the, the docking port. Is supposed to be, you know, six foot tall, maybe, you know, so you can get in and out of it. If you scale up, you know, based on everything else, it's like 20 feet tall on this Enterprise. And like the Kirk's escape pod that he gets shot out of when they, when Spock abandons him on a planet for no reason. Um, it, the, apparently the escape pod is 20 feet tall or something. It's just a, I don't I like scale and I like a sense of scale, but the the problem is that they've made the this JJ Enterprise on screen is bigger than the Enterprise D. Yeah, I mean I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think it is. I I don't know. I I, I wish they would have kind of kept it more in scale with the original series Enterprise, but I guess they have some reasoning behind it being larger. Um, in in terms of the story points, um, what regardless of the scale, what do you think about the uh, the look of the exterior? I like the. Uh, I mean, it's got the general shapes, and so it's obvious that it's that it's the Enterprise, that it's a a you know ship from Star Trek. Um, the nacelles are a bit big. I think that if if we toned them down a bit then then I would be happier with it. But I'm not I'm not dissatisfied. Yeah. I, I like the I like the design. I like the I like the aesthetics of it. I think it's it fits in with the uh with the rest of the universe that they've created. Yeah, I, I like the look of it too for the most part. I mean like you're saying the saucer section and everything is is fairly consistent with um the original series. I actually like kind of like it's going to sound weird, but like the font, which is used on the exterior and like the color scheme and the way that it doesn't have like red outlines or whatever it is. There's just mm-hmm. something about it, which is just kind of like a throwback to the original, which I, I like. Um, but I agree with you that the nacelles seem too big. They seem out of place and almost like they're on like steroids or something. And I know there's people <laughs> who love them. Like I think it was one of the Earl Grey guys who was on the ready room talking about how that's like his favorite part of the the ship or whatever. Yeah, I remember. From a design <laughs> standpoint, I mean, it, you know, it, I guess it kind of makes sense, but like from a, a uh, aesthetic standpoint, it doesn't really work for me nearly as well as uh, the prior nacelles that were used. Yeah, I think that I've, I, I like something maybe more subdued. Mm-hmm. Something more TOSE, I think, would still have. I mean, not necessarily something more like Deg's version, a little more streamlined, a little classier. Yeah, uh, something 
partway between what we got and and the original Enterprise, I think, is is what they should have aimed for. Mm -hmm. But then the interiors would be, the interiors are already starkly different from from what uh, what we've got. Yeah. So we've got the uh, the quote unquote Apple Store bridge, right, with all of its glass and brightness and lens flares and mm -hmm. the brewery. What do you think about the brewery uh, engineering section? The brewery doesn't really work for me because it does seem too big. It seems like we really are in a different location. That's the one part of the interior which I don't really like. Um, but uh, as far as like the bridge is concerned, like I, I, I love the new bridge. I think it looks great. And I understand I that it's not really consistent with what has come before or whatever. And while that does kind of bother me, and while if I were to be making you know Star Trek 09, I would have made it more like the original series bridge. I wouldn't have gone, you know, that far. You know, I wouldn't have like dial clocks or anything like that. But <laughs> you know, um, but I would have you know found some sort of balance and and tried to stay truer to the original. Um, but if you were to you know divorce me from history and just say look at this bridge and look at this bridge and which one do you prefer i definitely think that the design of the star trek 09 bridge is superior yeah the the jj verse bridge is more uh more our future yeah and and the original series bridge is more 60s future which is what it should be yeah yeah which which is which is fine um yeah i'm not i'm not keen on the brewery uh engineering either because it kind of just looks like a brewery yeah yeah and the hangar bay is just way too big and that's one of the reasons why they had to scale it up so much is to fit you know 40 giant shuttlecrafts yeah in in one big space but uh it's not it's not terrible well that was fun talking about the enterprise today we went longer than i had expected, which is, which is, I, I suppose is good, more content. Uh, but that's just one of the Trek topics that we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Marathons for new viewers. If, if someone were to say to my 13-year-old self, here is every single episode of Star Trek ever made, I just don't know what I would do. I honestly think I probably wouldn't appreciate the shows as much as I do because they'd be so disposable. Earl Grey. Cliff Bowl and Hollow Pursuits. Did he override anything or did he actually just walk no, right in? No, no, he just hit the button. He just went boopity boop boop. The Ready Room. Yeah, with Mark Cushman. But he's standing outside this building talking to Val. <laughs> and there was this one point in the script where the writer wrote, Val reacts what Kirk said and Bob Justin in his memo said I'm sitting here trying to imagine how a building is going to react to what our Captain Kirk says the orb runabouts it definitely feels more like the old west mm -hmm. you know and you're basically in a covered wagon instead of like a train but so. a covered wagon that can go warp five to the journey cue on Voyager you know, he got the the chocolates and the roses, and you know, the I'm puppies not talking about like the puppies. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Someone had to do it. I'm not talking about the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Warp five. Malcolm Reed. It almost feels like the writers thought it was fun to just keep throwing facts in and dialogue about him, 
You know, usually in the show Bible, you want to see people do things and they just say, oh, we'll, have some, we'll have this person say this. We'll have a whole episode about how he loves pineapple, but he's allergic to it. <laughs> Commentary, Trek stars. Robert Hewitt Wolf Recap. So it's it was like Three Amigos or Galaxy Quest, but with Anne Rice. I think it, it might have been. I, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. That sounds you know. equally amazing and horrible. Melodic Treks. Dick Fontaine and the S9's Jazz. In 1983, Darren was off the role of Jim Corrigan on ABC series TJ Hooker. The part of Hooker, as many of you will know, was played by none other than William Shatner or Captain James Tiberius Kirk. Literary Treks. The Insolence of Office. But Starfleet's a military organization, and when you sign up for Starfleet, you're you're joining that group, and I think that you give up some of your rights in that situation. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. If you'd like to contact us about the Enterprise or anything else, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you other than here? Well, you can find me still on Trek FM doing commentary, Trek Stars, with my co-host Max, or you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where I do commentary Track Stars off-topic with Max and our friend Brandon, or you can email me at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And you can find me on random episodes of Commentary Trek Stars, Commentary Track Stars, The Ready Room, Earl Grey, Melodic Treks. I guess Melodic Treks is coming soon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. You'll hear us on this week's Melodic Treks, so stay tuned for that. And also, you know, because it's always, you know, coming as a comic book fan, it's always important to know where the crossovers start. Because what I hate more than anything is buying an issue of my favorite comic and then seeing that, uh, you know, not not knowing what's going on, not knowing what, what where this action is. And then you find out later on that there, part one of the story was actually in another series. So just for you Standard Orbit completists out there who want to make sure that you follow our story as it progresses, the next adventure for the Standard Orbit crew is on Saturday's Melodic Treks, which will then That's cross right. back over into Standard Orbit. If you don't listen to Melodic Treks this week, then you'll have no idea what we're talking about next week on Standard Orbit. Right? So, yes. That's not true. But listen no, to it anyway. They'll, they'll catch why, up. Why, you'll why catch wouldn't up. you listen to it? On, why wouldn't you listen to Melodic Treks? You get to hear some good music. It's soothing. Yeah. It's very soothing. Yeah. You get to hear Colin. He's very soothing. Yes. Yes, he is. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Standard Orbit, Melodic Treks, and everything else to you each week. 
And our sponsor for this particular show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, uh, there's an original series book on Audible called Star Trek Enterprise, The First Adventure. That's not the first adventure of Star Trek Enterprise. That's the first <laughs> adventure of Star Trek, which involves the Enterprise. And yes. it is written by Vonda and McIntyre. It's narrated by Leonard Nimoy and George Takei. And it has probably the best description of any Star Trek uh, novel on audible.com. Here it is. Jugglers, flying horses, and the threat of war. Here is the untold story of James T. Kirk's first mission as the commander of the Enterprise. Okay. There you go. Jugglers, flying horses, and the threat of war. What more do you need? I wish I could remember it, because I'm pretty sure this is one of the books that my dad had. Yeah? When when I was growing up, but I don't think I ever read it. Well, luckily you don't have to remember it, because you can get it for free on audible.com since you're a listener on Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And lastly, there's another way that you can help us keep Standard Orbit in orbit. And that's by uh, getting some aliens from uh, from from us. Well, illustrations of aliens. Uh, if you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi, who does most of the artwork on the website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate. And your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. Well, that was the Enterprise. Finally got that ship down. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, next week we've got uh, a muck time up in here. Mm-hmm. And after that, who knows? The f- who knows what the future holds? Yes, the human adventure. Time travelers. It's time just tra- beginning. Right. Time travelers, I guess they would know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if they travel to the future and then back. Either way. I would... Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir. 